welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast, where we take your questions from Sunday's teachings in order to form a dialogue about the scriptures and what God is teaching each and every one of us. Well, welcome back to the Beyond the Sermon podcast. Uh, Today is Sunday, August 14th, and we are in our parable series here this summer. This morning, uh, Pastor Wayne took us through the parable of the wise and the foolish maidens, and so he's here joining me on the podcast uh, to take and answer all of your questions. Wayne, welcome. Great to be here. Hey, man. Well, just tell us. Okay, so you serve as the pastor of Serve here. You've been here, as Morning said, 12 years on staff, a couple different roles, and uh, but just let us know what is your what is your day to day weekly uh, life and ministry look like here? Yeah, well, um, we have three strategy areas at our church: gather, connect, and serve. And so, generally, it's sort of pastoral um, care and uh, context and structure for any of the ministry. Um, endeavors that might fall under that. And some of them have to do with uh, a long, long list of really great community partners, some uh, church and Christian based and some not that are just doing great job uh, serving our community. And yeah. we want to link up with them. And s- some of this has to do with serving the church. Yep. And so our structures and rhythms and all those kind of things that might be more operational in nature, but those fall in that category as well. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I, I love, you know, part of just our, 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 strategy, right? Gather, connect, and serve. And in that, uh, I mean, it goes, it goes back. God's, God's heart for his people is always to be a blessing to those around him, right? Yeah. It goes back to Abraham. Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. And it goes, I mean, we, we could even make a case into the, into the Adamic covenant, that covenant with Adam in the beginning, right? But, um, but so clear there in, in Genesis with, with Abraham and it just flows all the way through. And so I just, yeah, love, love for our church that we have that, that serving heart that we go to, go to be a blessing. And uh, so thanks for, thanks for spearheading that. Thanks for helping us, you know, gain ground in that, in that area uh, week, week by week as, uh, as we go. Well, this morning, so you're in the parable of the wise and foolish maidens, and uh, and I loved your introduction. I, I appreciated your pastoral qualification, right? 32 years in pastoral ministry. Oh, my goodness. Last week was the first week that you considered <laughs> that the, the two sons in the vineyard were, were grown men. Right. Yeah. And I loved your reference uh, to a children's book. Yeah. All right. I was preaching through Jonah one time, and my very first sermon in the series I literally read this children's book that was my kids. We read them; they loved it. It was about Jonah and uh, and the starfish that were in Tarshish, right? <laughs> and so the whole premise is like jo- God. In the end, God gave Jonah a vacation to Tarshish to hang out with the starfish. <laughs> and when I got done reading that children's book, and I was like, "This is not. This is not theologically sound." <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah. I I loved I loved your your opening there, and uh, and oh, you, and you're yeah. right. It really does. It doesn't change the bottom line. It just changes the stakes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. When it moves from, yeah, I, I'm, I want to play with my toys, so I don't want to go help you in the vineyard to, yeah. I don't want to have anything to do with you and I don't respect you at the level of even helping to assist with some of your, you know, honor and yeah. um, your vocation. So it's, it does change the stakes significantly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think that's just, and I loved, I mean, again, even this morning as you, came back to it and reiterated it again. The parables are meant to move us out of complacency, right? Jesus is being, I think the way you said it was that it, it's, it's provocative, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he's using this, uh, this, this literary device to move us. Yeah. And, um, and so I, yeah, I just, I love the way that you, you pa- opened that and, and packaged that and, 
And even in this, the parable of the wise and foolish maidens, what is going on? Yeah, you know right, what I yeah. mean? And, uh, and just to dial into that idea of expectancy, expectancy. And, uh, and there's so much, uh, so much you said it this morning. Like, there's so many details that we can get distracted in. And we got to resist that in the parables. Uh, those details can be fun, yep. you know. Um, and, and we'll actually we'll go into that here in one of the questions, talking about the again the we we got this question in a in a previous week on the parables. But Jesus is talking about his his return, right? Right. And I just even the way that you you set that up, you know, you acknowledge that right in the front end of your teaching of, hey, Jesus thinks he's coming back. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, he doesn't use the he doesn't use the three word phrase at this time with any of the other setups for the parables that says the kingdom of God is like. And so you go, whoa, whoa there's some context to yeah, this then yeah. that he's giving specifically that I at least need to make note of in order to understand where he's going with this. And it's a so again, yeah, it's unique among the parables, but it uh, I think it's a helpful setup and it's poignant. Yeah. I had a pastor one time that used the phrase positively disruptive. And mm. uh, I've always thought of, um, I, I loved that phrase yeah. and all it means for how God is willing to disrupt some of the things in our lives that are not going to lead to what he wants uh, in order for better things to take root. So, yeah, yeah, that, that is such a good word picture there that, that it positively disruptive, right? And that, that is, that's just the parables. That's, that's what Jesus is doing for us and in those in those stories. Well, so a first question here comes to this idea of confession and repentance. So you, you know, I think you referenced last week's sermon and a, and a few, a few others from the, the series along the way here. Uh, so the question comes about repentance. Um, what is the best way to seek repentance when you find yourself falling into the same sin? Right. And I, I love the way that you, you recap, uh, recaptured last week's main idea of, you know, wholehearted repentance is, is better than religious lip service. Mm-hmm. Right. And so some, we can get caught in those patterns of religious lip service. And, but for you, for you, Wayne, in your own spiritual life, you're abiding with Jesus. You know, how, how do you practice or, or how do you seek wholehearted, genuine repentance um, you know, uh, when, even when you keep finding yourself following into the same pattern of sins. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think that's, it's such a great question and it's so hard to deal with internally too, because, yeah. you, you know, we're talking about somebody at this point who asked this question, who has a soft heart, mm-hmm. which is fantastic, oh, yeah. right? They're yeah. saying, I don't want to do this, right? I yeah. don't want to live out these patterns anymore. I feel like I'm disappointing God. I'm disappointing myself. Maybe there's some other people involved in these, yeah. you know, yeah. thoughts and, and, uh, so you go at thoughts and systems and all kinds of things and you go, okay, the one thing that I know for sure is that images like the uh, seven times 70 uh, statements and those kind of things in scripture tell me that God's heart for me is far more long suffering and gracious than I could ever imagine. And so I need to be reminded of that both through the scripture, but clearly through community, right? I mean, that's where we look at each other and go, you know what? The fact that you're concerned about this is just the good first step. So yes, it, it, yes, it shows that your heart is in the right place with God. You want yeah. Him to change you. I get that things don't happen as quickly as we want them to. I remember one time walking across uh, campus of my uh, undergraduate um, work, and one time at night, literally in the middle of the campus, nobody else is around, and I took the scripture that's where Jesus said, "If you if you love me, you'll obey my commands." Mm-hmm. And I took that very specifically for the area of struggle in my yeah, life at that yeah, time that yeah. I was just racked by. And I said, okay, well, I don't love God. 
And yeah. okay, so strictly speaking, yes. Okay, mm. we get that orientation that uh-huh. you know, you've t- said many times that yeah. obedience is God's love language. Yeah. Awesome. That's the the relationship that's developing. Yep. But I can see now that I made a I made a I made an erring statement at that point yeah. that really went too deep into my heart and probably made me think that God was not as gracious as he really is. Mm. And it more weighed on than my performance at that point. And I think in the middle of that, the best thing we can do for each other is go, look, (laughs) you're in this, you're growing, you're changing. It's hard to become like Jesus. We're completely broken people. But he is committed to that end, whether you know, we see complete release in our lifetime in those things that we struggle yep. with or at the moment when we see him face to face. Right. Yeah. So I think that's where we go with it. It yeah. is a, it's not an easy answer and it's a struggle, but if we stick with each other in it, I think we can get through it. Yeah. I, I think you're so, you're so right on that. Paul says in first Corinthians uh, 13, he, he concludes first Corinthians 13 and he says, right now we see through a mirror dimly. Yeah. Right. But when perfection comes, so when we are face to face with Jesus, when perfection comes, we will see perfectly. And, and it's so, I think sometimes we get it, we do get it, maybe it's our own ambition or, or it's just, you know, altruistic preaching or whatever teaching. It's like, Hey, you, you are forgiven of your sins. That means that they're not held against you anymore. That doesn't, but that doesn't mean that you're going to have immediate victory over those things, right? right? Yeah. Sometimes we get immediate victory mm-hmm. and we hear those stories and those are amazing stories, but for 99.9% of the rest of us, it is a lifelong struggle through the same patterns mm-hmm. of, of, of our sinful struggles, right? Yep. And, um, and so I, uh, a mentor that was influential in my life early on in ministry just said, keep looking for the victory that you're getting. Yeah, amen. Right? Yep. So are you right. falling into the pattern in the same way and are you dealing with the pattern the same way? Like, is everything the same or have you grown? Right. Yep. Right. And again, I think I loved your note here and your heart in this, like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. I want to honor God completely in this area. Mm-hmm. You're already on the right path. Yep. Right. And that is, that is the, that is part of a wholehearted repentance is recognizing yep. my way is not the best way. Yeah. And, uh, and, and keep coming back to that. And so it's a two part question here. Part of that, the second question that comes in and goes, I, if I'm forgiven for my sins, is it still important to confess them every day? Yeah. 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 Well, I, my take on that scripturally would be yes, because it's the relationship that needs to be uh, kept in place, right? And yeah. so if you could imagine just any other human relationship and you did something that was harmful or dishonoring to someone yeah. over and over and over and over again, um, then, uh, and there was, uh, there was, it would feel like a break at some point unless you maintained that relationship yep. in the sense of being soft towards one another. Yeah. And I do think that, yeah, we, so we're going to call each other to holiness because we want to do that as brothers yeah. and sisters in yeah. Christ, but we're also doing it from a perspective of knowing that the log is in our eye. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, um, Wayne, I don't know about you. I only have a speck. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. A little piece of sawdust. <laughs> there might not actually be anything in there. A little there. bit of tear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's always, that's what I love about, you know, the yeah. gospel is, is that, it always sets out these high bars of becoming more and more like Jesus, but it also warns us of being able to fall into the trap of self-righteousness yeah. uh, when we deal with one another. So I just feel like there's the the great guardrails yep. that the Spirit continues to walk us in. Yeah, I, I think you're so right. It's, it's, it's part of that maintaining. And the other beautiful part of 
cultivating a regular confession is that you're continually bathed in grace. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so it's mm-hmm. like, it's, you know, John says in 1 John, if we are faithful to confess and ask for forgiveness, our Father is faithful to forgive us. Amen. But the only way that you experience God's faithful forgiveness is by coming in confession. Right. Right. If I only go to, con- if I only confess once and I never come back to it, I don't, I don't actually know experientially or relationally that he is loving and slow to anger and patient and, and kind to me and all of those things. Right. Yeah. And so there is actually this beautiful side of it that in regular, in regular confession and regular repentance, we, we, we become more fully aware of the sweetness of grace. Oh yeah. yeah. Right. Like how ironic is that? Come to me, tell me all you, all the things that you don't want to tell me. <laughs> right. And I'm actually going to give you the sweetness of grace in that. Yeah. 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 Like it's yeah. just so upside down, but that's, yeah. that's the kingdom of heaven. That's yeah. the gospel. As you said, I think you shared a little while ago with your kids that you were trying to get them to, to the point of asking for and saying, I forgive you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when there's been some kind of a break in the relationship yeah. as opposed to just, uh, you know, it's not, well, forget it. Yeah. Right. You know, hey, no big there's deal. actually a step of yeah. restoration of the relationship yeah. that might seem really simple and maybe sometimes feels um, a little formulaic depending on yeah. what your background is you yep. know, spiritually. But I think as long as it stays in the realm of relationship and we're yeah. trying to maintain relationship, then we're on the right track. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, like you said, and just echo back to what you said at the beginning of this two-part question. If this is your heart, just keep going. Yeah. Keep okay. running after Jesus you know, keep pursuing them in this way. And, uh, and because I think, you know, it's in that, it's in that abiding constant remaining relationship that we, that, that we experience the sweetness of, of his love and of his grace and of his forgiveness. And, and then even of that, of that, as you've said, that relationship, yeah. you know, I'm Amen. connected to him. Yeah. All right. So are you ready for eschatology and <laughs> times? So I got uh, three, three of those conversations right after first service. So maybe, we, maybe we'll go. hit one of those two. Here yeah. we go. All right. So this question says, uh, question about pre-trib rapture. Matthew 24, 29 to 31 sounds like the son of man will gather his elect after the tribulation. I'm, I'm not clear on pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib rapture. So I think question here, help me understand this. Well, I'm not sure that I can help you understand it that much. Maybe we'll have you you jump into this question a little bit. When I did my credentialing, this was the one question that uh, Pastor David, our former pastor here, yeah. just grilled me on because yeah. he was not satisfied with my yeah. answer. The rest of the guys in the room are like, hold it, isn't this your guy? Why are you being so hard? And, you know. But uh, yeah, so I think that the variations of timing and duration, like I mentioned this yeah. morning, all have biblical basis, right? Yeah. Not a one of them are ones that you would just dismiss, but they've been treated by the church mostly yes. as open-handed conversations, not a closed fist. Yeah. This is absolutely the way it is. So we can talk about those variations, and, and yeah. I'm thinking probably, you might actually have a little more of those come to mind than me. For me, honestly, I don't know. I've, I've sort of wavered in between um, a post-tribulation rapture, real rapture, yeah. and a mid-tribulation rapture because of the verses, I think it's in Second Peter, that talk about mm-hmm. um, the, uh, the, the um, what is it, the... De- the that causes desolation, the something that causes desolation mm-hmm. that actually sits on the throne yeah. literally in the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. So if you take all those yeah. things literally, you go, it almost feels to me like a mid-trib, but most people don't want to hear that because <laughs> they're like, hold it, I don't want to be here for any of that. So yeah. I, I hold that fairly open-ended, but what I 
do think is super clear, and especially from the parable this morning too, is that Jesus was absolutely convinced yeah. that he was coming back physically in glory yes. and that yes. there was some um, fulfillment of the messianic kingdom that is mentioned and uh, dialed in all throughout the Old Testament scripture. So that's yeah. kind of where I stand. Yeah. I'm willing to have the conversation on any of the other flavors, but yeah. yeah. I'm I'm with you. So um, I actually I think this is the point in the podcast where we talk about marriage and sex. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be much more comfortable. Yeah. No, I think I, I'm with you. So historically, as a denomination, the 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 eschatological or or view of end times that we've held to is a is a pre millennial return, right? And a premillennial rapture. Uh, it's clear. Paul says in first Corinthians or first Thessalonians chapter four, that, that those, the dead in Christ, those who have gone before, uh, will be caught up in the air with Christ before those who are remaining are caught up, but then they will be caught up with Christ. Then they will reign with Christ. So I think first Thessalonians four, Paul's language is, is pretty clear there. Revelation chapter 20 mm-hmm. is yeah pretty clear there there's going to be there's going to be a millennial reign and the saints are going to reign with Christ. Mm-hmm. And so does that millennial reign begin pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib? Right. I I actually don't think that the scriptures are abundantly clear mm-hmm. on that, right? So what are the scriptures of this is this is a hermeneutical principle, right? So hermeneutics is how we study the Bible. We one a core 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 hermeneutical principle is we always start with the clear yep. and we move to the unclear. Yep. We never start with what's confusing and hard and then try to work our way back. Right. We always go, what's easy? And then we move to the hard stuff in light of what's easy because scripture doesn't contradict itself. Right. And often it helps us to understand. And so, again, that's what I thought was really, which, you know, again, as we've stressed through the parable series and you stressed again this morning, don't get caught in the weeds, mm-hmm. right? Um, is Jesus talking? Is he, is he, Speaking eschatologically here, yes, he's saying I'm coming back. Yep, y'all, I'm coming back. Don't miss it. Yeah, you know, right. Um, but is he giving the details of that? No, no, he's yeah. not. Yeah. He, it's not his intention. Yeah. and and you can see that because again, First Thessalonians four. Why is Paul even writing this? What were the early believers convinced of? Jesus was coming back. Yeah, they just didn't know when or how. Right. Yeah. Right. And you see in First Corinthians fifteen, Paul again, Jesus coming back. Don't miss it. Yep. And there's a bodily resurrection for us in this whole thing. Revelation, it's, it's all. So what I think scripture is abundantly clear on is that Jesus' second, his second return is not metaphorical. Right. It's not uh, a, a, you know, a type typology of something else. It's right. not, it's not allegorical. Yep. You know, it is a, he, there will be a literal, physical, bodily return of Jesus to reign on earth for a thousand years, let's say, I know we can debate whether that's a literal thousand right, or yeah. a perfect period. <laughs> yeah, you know? right, exactly. Um, yeah. But he will reign with his saints, and then there will be the new heaven and the new earth, yeah. right? And um, so, as far as as far as mid trib or pre trib, mid trib, post trib, I'm with you. I, let's hold it with an open hand. And frankly, when I look at God's pattern in in the scriptures, He allows His people to walk through suffering. So if I'm, let me just, if I'm going to put my heart in this thing, I should probably have my heart ready for a post-trib. Yeah, right. <laughs> and anything more than anything before that is just gravy, yeah, you know? Right. So I, I honestly, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not convinced pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib. Um, I, I've heard the arguments and I go, okay, God's pattern is that, man, he, 
He will take us out of suffering and we will reign with him and we will be united with him in the new heaven, and the new earth. But the new Testament authors seem to think that we should be prepared for suffering. Yeah. And so in that let's be prepared for suffering and be faithful in that suffering, knowing that Jesus has victory and will have, this is the super, this is the really interesting thing in the language of the, uh, the, the scriptures as a whole, even you see it in the old Testament, it's in Isaiah. Isaiah 9 is written in this way. It's a future tense that's written in the past tense. Mm-hmm. Right? It's something that God ha- will do, but yet has already done. Right. Yep. It's, it's the wildest yeah. you know, linguistic, literary, grammatical uh, tense ever. And so even Revelation is written in that way. It's something that will happen, yet has already happened. Yeah. Jesus will have victory, yet has already had victory. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's just wild. So we live in the light of that reality. Yep. Will have victory already has had victory. Yep. And yet realizing we're probably going to suffer along the way. Yeah. You know, I think it's, uh, I think I was trying to say it this morning too, that when we do focus on the maybe potentially sort of details or esoteric side of things or some of the engage, some of the mystery, right. The things that are that are not as clear as we'd like them to be, we can miss out on something that is so much bigger. Okay, so what's the so much bigger thing? The so much bigger thing is is that Jesus' actual return to reign as king is because Adam gave it up in the first place. (laughs) Yeah. Right? There was a kingship given Mm -hmm. to Adam and Eve. They were to rule over the earth as God's regents. Eden was supposed to expand, not stay in one little garden. It was supposed to rule over the entire earth. And so we're talking about the type of fulfillment and thinking and discovery and um, artistry and all in perfect relationship with God. That's what we were supposed to have. Yes, We gave up a kingdom. Adam laid it down and we reinforced giving it up. Jesus is the only one worthy of standing in that place and taking it back. Yeah, And so all of the sin, all of the degradation, everything that's been broken, the point of Jesus coming back is that he's setting all things anew as the king um, yeah. in the way that Adam should have done it in the first place. And that's why we get the second Adam language, yeah. you know, yes. throughout the New Testament as yeah. well. So you go, okay, if I focus on timing and duration and all this other stuff, I might miss that. And yeah. that's the point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. I love that, right? These these secondary tertiary questions about the process and the how and the timeline, they're not bad. They're super interesting, in fact. Yep. You know what I mean? I remember being in a class at Trinity and having a, a professor outline uh, all the three major views, right? So you've got amillennial, premillennial, and postmillennial. And then within those views, uh, well, within at least the, the pre-mill and the post-mill, you have the pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. Right. Um, you know, and so because uh, this is a very, very grand simplification of the amill view, but Amil views is that we are currently in the kingdom and we are in a period of tribulation, right? right? We are yeah. in a period of, refi- of refinement. Again, if if you hold to the Amil view, there's much more nuance and depth to that. So we, you know, on, yeah. a, on a short podcast, yeah. so don't, don't, don't slaughter me here. We're don't, not dismissing it. Out of yeah, hand, no, right? yeah. but, um, but so, but he went through all of it and I was like, oh, and as he went point by point, I was like, oh, I'm convinced of that one. Oh, I'm convinced of that one. Right. Oh, I'm convinced of that one. Oh, I'm con-. And then we got to the end of it and I was like, okay, well, I'm really not convinced of post-millennial uh, because Revelation 20, but all, everything else that you presented today, I was like, you're just a really smart dude. And 
I, I, we just, we just need to be open handed on this, but yep. let's not miss the big point. Yep. Let's yep. not miss the big point. And the big point of this parable is we are to live lives of expectancy. Yep. Jesus is coming back. Yep. We will reign with him one day. We will enjoy him fully as Adam and Eve enjoyed him before the fall. Yep. That's amazing. We, we don't want to be like the foolish maidens. Yeah. Right. And so, so with that comes our, uh, the final question. And I, I, just, I love it. It's, it's such a great question of application. What does it look like to be a foolish maiden today? You know, and so when you outlined a few things at the end of the end of your sermon and, um, but really teasing out this idea of expectancy, what does it look like to live a life of expectancy here and now? Yeah, I think there's two ways to go about that question. One is if you think of the five maidens as people who have just said, I'm not fully in with Jesus. Yeah. I've got other options. I'm working. Maybe at the end of the day, um, I'll consider it. You know, so if you yeah, if you think that's the case, then clearly the application is that's not going to work out very well from the parable, right? Yeah, P- uh, people who their entire lives say no to the ongoing invitation of Christ. Yeah, there are no good words uh, for those all throughout Scripture, right? They yeah. are literally foolish. Yeah. I get that people struggle with issues in their lives and faith is a challenge at times, but completely saying no to Jesus over and over again and thinking maybe there might be a point at the end of my life where I, you know, I figure things out is, is the clear application. I think of that side of the question. If the five maidens are believers and they just have uh, sort of, you know, uh, gone about their relationship with Christ in less than serious fashion. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> then I think there's something to talk about there in terms of, well, why, right? I mean, yeah. y- you've been given this opportunity now, so why would you squander those moments for other yeah. things? And it maybe is a question of kingdom values at that point, discipleship, ongoing conversation and encouragement in the body. So I would say that, you know, the expectancy is both for the moment because literally we've been given the spirit, right? So I can expect God's presence and moving in my life. Uh, um, Expect is a good word. Yeah. It's not that I deserve it, but Mm -mm. I can expect because of who he is and what he's promised to do. Not demand. Not demand. Sometimes we think of expect and we think of demand. Yeah. No, no, no. I can expect because of who he is and Mm -hmm. what he said he's going to do. So I guess it depends on whether you think of the foolish maidens as people who just are saying no to Jesus completely. And then the door closes and they're like, um, okay, they understand what they gave up. Um, or if you're thinking of them as believers who have just sort of not taken their faith seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it comes back to how do we, are we putting ourselves in the shoes of each of the characters in the parables and going, Lord, how am I like this? Right. How am I like the wise maiden? How am I like the foolish maiden? You know, and, and I think because there are, there are areas in each of our lives, let's say you are following Jesus. There are areas in each of our lives where we're, we're, we're routinely saying, I know better than you, God. Yep, right. Well, that's a foolish maiden, yep. right? That's a foolish maiden perspective because if Jesus is enough for my eternity, he is definitely enough for my present. Yeah. You know, that's Colossians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the book of Colossians right there. Yep. Uh, he wasn't just a good starting place. He is sufficient yeah. over all things. And, uh, and I love you quoted Colossians 1 27 this morning. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, so, yeah. So I think it's, it's that right of, well, if I'm perpetually putting off Jesus, well, Hey, one, you don't know how much time you have. Right. Two, um, both before his return or in your lifetime. 
you don't you don't know that. So don't that's a that's a foolish thing to to present to presume. And secondly, how am I treating Jesus as not really sufficient in yep. my life? We use the language life defining. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's what we mean. We just want Jesus to have access to every nook and cranny of our hearts and our lives. And so um, yes, yeah, so I loved I loved you drawing that out here this morning of this this idea of expectancy, and I think I think that's, that those are the questions to ask. How am I like the 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 foolish maiden? How am I like the wise maiden? Yep. And where am I really at spiritually? Have I really surrendered my life to Jesus and said, "Take it, define it, use it," yeah. or or are there pockets of my life where I've retained and said, "Yeah, you don't really get that," mm-hmm. or maybe there's a pocket where I've just started to hand over and said, well, "God." how do you really want to use this? Right. Yeah, we were, we're, we're, we're routinely handing those pockets over because we never, we never arrive. We're never spiritually perfect, you know? And so I think it's, it's that perpetual, perpetual question of, again, we come back to our first question, confession and repentance. Yep. Right. Absolutely. And so, yeah. Yeah. Well, Wayne, thanks for joining on the podcast here today. Thanks for bringing us a faithful word out of God's word, unpacking the parable of the wise and foolish maidens. And, uh, and not talking about marriage and sex. There you go. Well, <laughs> hope some of it landed. It was a great text to be in for this week. Well, I do know what topic you're going to get next. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining us on the Beyond the Sermon podcast. We'd love to have these conversations, these dialogues around God's word because we believe it has power and authority to change us and shape us. And, uh, and, and so we, we want to dig into it together. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next Sunday.